and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. Well, today we're going to do a little recap of the Ag PhD Field Day last week, and we're going to get to your calls and questions throughout the show today. If you'd like to give us a call, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. All right, we'll get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute here. Before we do, if you attended the Ag PhD Field Day last week, thanks for joining us. It was a lot of fun. It was the hottest field day we've ever had. 115 degree heat index that day. Got to 99 degree actual temperature. A lot of people from down south were up here and even they said it was hot. (laughs) So that tells you it's a little warm. And several people go, I didn't realize you guys had humidity up here like this too. Yes, we do. In July and August, the last few years, we've been more humid than Miami, Florida. So it's great for growing crops. Even on not much rainfall, we've still had pretty good crops, but not super pleasant for human beings. Now, fortunately, we had air-conditioned tents, we had air-conditioned buildings, and so it was still a pretty enjoyable day. Uh, And we do start at 7 a.m. too, so we'll do the same thing again next year, start at 7 a.m. But I'm going to assume... Since this one was the hottest one ever, it'll be a little cooler next year for the Ag PhD Field Day. Always the last Thursday in July. We would love to have you join us next year. All right, we'll talk more about the Field Day later on during the show, but right now, let's get to the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's the Mailbag! All right, I'll start with this question, Brandon. It's an incomplete question. This comes from Reggie. Reggie said, I have the beginning of an infestation of Johnson grass, and I want to know what you recommend to get it under control or eradicated. That's the only information that I got from Reggie. I didn't get a crop that it's in. I didn't get uh, a state where he's located, anything else. So we're just going on that, Brian. Johnson grass is just getting started. And I'll say this, Reggie, the good thing here is you're realizing, hey, it's getting started. I don't want it to get started. I'm going to get after it now before it gets bad. Okay, we do have an app called the Ag PhD Field Guide app, and we have many of the toughest weeds to control in corn, soybeans, and wheat that are listed in this app. And then we talk about how we would best control them in each crop. We'll give you a few pictures and just a little information. And so my advice would be just go to this Ag PhD Field Guide app. It's a free app, free download for your smartphone or tablet. You can look up Johnson grass right there, and then it will give you the information that you need to control this, again, in corn, soybeans, and wheat. So we don't have every crop listed there or anything, but at least in the three major acreage crops in the United States, the three biggest acreage crops in the U.S., hopefully we can help you out there. This is a perennial grass, so that makes it tough. We've seen a little bit of Roundup resistance. It's not all Roundup resistant, though. Obviously, if it's a perennial and you get Roundup to work, that's the best way to go. But... My number one piece of advice anytime anybody is trying to spray a perennial is you've got to use a strong rate of glyphosate. You can't use some piddly little rate and expect, oh, I'm going to get amazing control. No, you're not because this thing has rhizomes. It's a perennial. It's it, it's just really tough. So you gotta, it, you've got to hit it really hard in one dose with a product like Roundup. Now, if you're going to use some other grass killer, that probably means you're just going to have to keep dinging it and again and again you hit it 
and over time you'll weaken it, you'll thin it out, and you'll be in better shape. And then the other big thing is try to get great crop canopy as soon as you can in any crop. That's going to help you suppress weeds as well. So those are our best pieces of advice for Johnson grass. All right, thanks for the question, Brian. I got uh, manure samples and soil samples here. This comes from Matthew in Pennsylvania. He said, there's a company that has wastewater wash from chicken plants and the like. And I'm going to mix some of that in with my dairy manure. We're spreading five to 7,000 gallons per acre. And essentially my soil samples, we, we are obviously tilling the ground, and we get about 30 inches of rain per year. Just curious, are there other things I should be getting on a sample when it comes to manure analysis and waste product analysis? Well, and then it's, does this look okay to spread? Yeah, anytime we're talking waste product, that I don't know exactly what all we're dealing with, but we want to make sure that we don't have inordinate amounts of heavy metals. So that would be the one thing that I don't see here is, I mean, how are we doing on some of those heavy metals? I mean, you got a couple of metals in here. There's aluminum in here and zinc and stuff like that. But I'd like to see some of the, what I would call more strange metals, uh, things like chromium and, well, anyway, there are a bunch of them out there. So that that would be the one thing I would say we're missing in terms of how does this look? I, yeah, it doesn't look bad. It's got nitrogen and phosphorus. There's a little sulfur, magnesium, calcium. I mean, there's a little bit of sodium, and I'm sure there's going to be some salt in this as well. But it's not like it's a ridiculous amount. So I'm not that worried, but let's always keep in mind the dose makes the poison. So we always want to be using things in moderation and whenever we start talking about manure or some waste product, I want to know how's the salt level. And I don't, unless I'm missing it here, I don't see salt on this test. So that's something we always have done. And it is the key factor, is the number one thing you should always look at whenever you're going to apply manure, compost, quite frankly, almost anything. Salt first. Salt comes first. Always remember that. Don't get crazy on salt. And then usually most other things are going to be okay. Again, looking at heavy metals and stuff like that too is other identifying things where you say, okay, I can't overdo it. All right, then beyond that, just looking at it, the, these were his soil tests, I assume, Darren, where he's going to put yes. this stuff. And it looks like I got two pages here. Um, yeah, so it's fairly light soil. We're talking six to nine cation exchange capacity. Which, here again, that's a big reason why we don't want to get carried away with salt. Now, the good news is we can flush a lot of salts out quickly. But the bad news is if you have dry weather and light soil like this, then salt can hurt much worse than if you had heavy soil and lots of moisture. So, uh, beyond that, um, you know, maybe a little short on K. We're kind of low on K, less than 4% in a lot of places. Uh, phosphorus, not too bad. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper. Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. Put a Champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash uscrop. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hard-working Lucento fungicide. 
Control the toughest diseases with a dual mode of action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucinto fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com for hardworking control in your fields. Always read and follow all label directions. Are you ready? We got the need, the need for seed treatment. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, doing a little recap of the Ag PhD field day that was last week on Thursday. Had a great day, and and there's a lot to learn and a lot to take in. We had a lot of questions from growers afterwards about, hey, I, I didn't see everything, or hey, I got a lot of information today, and I'm not certain about what what all they meant by that. So we thought, what a great idea. We'll, we'll just do a recap of the field day. We'll ask some of those questions and um, see what the takeaways were from the other side, from, from some of our exhibitors that were there. Got Ryan Peeper on right now with Topcon to talk just a little bit about what they experienced in their area. How you doing, Ryan? Hey, pretty good, Darren. Thanks for having us on. All right. So talk to us about what was, what was in your booth and what, what got the most attention? What, what drew the most questions? Yeah, so this was our fourth year at the Ag PhD um, plot, and uh, you know, just bringing the growers into the plot to see the result of the of the technology put in place. I think that was it was really good. We had a lot of growers come in off the main street. Of course, after you guys, you know, brought your uh, your caravan up the way, and uh, just got a lot of good conversation going around around the results that we saw in our plot with tillage depth control. You know, there are a couple things there. The, the tillage depth control was one big one, and I know that was even our people that, that helped put the plot together throughout the year <laughs> were talking to me about that of, man, did we notice a difference here. And they were also talking about the various nitrogen rates and the crop spec technology. I thought that was pretty interesting, too, how the tissue samples showed up, and crop spec really picked that out, too. Yep, yep. The crop spec, that was our second year doing the plot. You, you just... With that crop spec sensor, you just see a ton of variability that you won't ever see with the naked eye. So when you start thinking about um, variable rate nitrogen, or you even start thinking about just building that extra data layer as your as your sprayers traveling through the field throughout the year, um, I think guys are really kind of starting to pick up on that information layer. And then 
you know what they can potentially do with it. I know when we walk fields, everybody's looking for the variability in the field and they see variability in their own fields and, and guys will say, man, okay, what happened here? And maybe it's just the year, that kind of thing. So I thought it was interesting in your plot, same, same day planting, same equipment, all this stuff. We, we took out all those variables yet some plots had a whole bunch of variability and others when you controlled what the depth was, you had this nice, even environment for plants. All the ears were at exactly the same height. And I thought that was yeah, kind yeah. of a, a big call out that if you do things right, your crop will respond. It, it was, you know, that first plot was a, was a shallow depth. That next plot was a, was a deeper depth. And then, you know, that third plot was our prescribed depth and you could just see it just the uniform ear height. We went and tagged those ears coming across there and I mean, the, the proof was in the plot. So that was really neat to see and just, again, kind of be able to demonstrate that TopCon technology at work there. You know, it's hard sometimes to, to quantify what the return on investment is going to be, especially when you've got technology. And I know for, for me, if I make that switch and I determine, hey, that's a good thing, I'm just going to do it everywhere. <laughs> I don't leave a check strip right, sometimes right. on that kind of thing. Like I would if I was switching hybrids, it's pretty easy to leave a check strip. What, what do you see with that? What kind of return is there on, on technology like this? You know, full transparency, Darren, we've got some work to do in that space. You know, looking back many years and, and working with planter clutches back in the day, we could say, you know, we can save you 5 to 8% on your seed investment. Well, with tillage depth control, it's so variable across cultivators or discs or anhydrous toolbars. There's, there's a lot of data for us to take in yet and really nail down that ROI piece. It'll be interesting in the plot. Take a look at the yield data. Well, of course, like to your point, we know that there's agronomic value in getting that uniform stand and that crop coming out of the ground at the same time. We've got some work to do on the TopCon side to um, essentially be able to stand on an ROI statement with that product. Obviously, it's a it's not a large investment at six thousand dollars for a system, but we still need to be able to, you know, be able to show that, verify that, and communicate that message out with the growers. Yeah, it is pretty exciting technology, and it was visually obvious, which is why I love having plots and, and bringing growers in right in the middle of the season to see, okay, yep, I can absolutely see it on those plants, and which ones would you like? Uh, I'd want that, and it costs 6000 bucks, and I, I farm 2,000 acres. Well, that is an absolute right. no-brainer. That's, that's a pretty easy investment. Well, Ryan, thank you so much. Really appreciate the support. Really appreciate the crew that you had out there. Uh, I, I know your plots were pretty impressive, and, and people sure had a lot of comments about them. So thank you very much. Really yep. appreciate it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Maybe um, maybe turn the heat down a little bit for next year, <laughs> if you don't mind. I'm, I'm absolutely with you on that. I mean, we started at 7 in the morning. It's not like we could start at 5 or something, but maybe. Who knows? Uh, thanks, Ryan. We appreciate it. i got Greg Sauter on right now uh, with 360 Yield Center. Greg, how you doing? Well, we're doing fantastic, guys. How? Uh, wow, what a field day we had last week. I tell you what, I, I was watching the 360 rain unit running over there, and you had people around that thing all day, and I, maybe they were trying to get wet. I'm, I'm not sure what they <laughs> were expecting out of that, but uh, it was quite a demonstration. It worked out really well. You know, I don't know, it's been 30 years I've been doing farm shows. I don't know if I've ever seen one better. But wow, even better you. than that, Brian and Darren, is the quality of the farmer. They leaned in. They packed under the tent, and we would present, and we'd go right out in that waist-high corn and show the water running. 
there was cameras out. It was really exciting. And the questions were the best. Uh, that's what I really enjoy is watching them think, especially the livestock guys. You know, the fact that we can put manure on in the growing season with a half inch of water per week just lights them up. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, there are so many different alternatives with that system, and uh, I know that was that was pretty eye catching. I mean, it's it's not a small machine either, Greg. I mean, you you see that thing running out there in the field. <laughs> well, you know, well, it either we can do sixty foot booms or eighty foot booms, depending upon whether they have a sixteen row or twelve or twenty four row planter. But yeah, you know, we're carrying three thousand feet of hose, so the machine's designed to do that two hundred up to two hundred acres. And uh, so that 160 to 200 odd shaped field is really what we're targeting. And then we're looking at putting on a half inch of additional water per week. So, you know, if a guy walks out, I had a North Dakota farmer walk in of a CEC of two to four. Well, and he puts on 12 to 15 inches with a pivot. It's probably not my customer. But the grower that walks in, you know, and he's looking for that uh, getting rid of stress and looking to add up to 50 bushel. That's the guy that we've really been focusing on. And, of course, with the livestock, with the manure to also. But, you know, yeah, uh, that's yep. what we're looking for. I, I don't want to take all our time up just talking about one product. I mean, that obviously was was kind of a showstopper, but uh, you know, you had a lot of products there. Whether it's Y drops or Wave or Bandits, uh, I mean, there are just a lot of new technologies. Personally, I like the the tanks. I like the the three sixty tanks on on the tractor and how they stayed within that wheelbase. And I was just thinking about some of the tight roads that some of these guys go down. Uh, that that's got to be awesome for transport. Well, I tell you, we run them, and it's been a real treat not to be sticking out over the duels. You and I both know what it's like in the springtime. Uh, drivers get get hectic. But the reason, you know, I never would have thought, guys, that we were going to be designing tractor tanks. But when we started to say we believe the planter pass is where we need to put some nitrogen on, the next question to us was, well, where are we going to carry it? Yep. And I said, well, guys, let, let's take a shot at these tanks. So – 700 gallon and it's up over the front wheels you can get good visibility but yet it stays narrow so it's been a real winter for us my goodness we just moved a ton of tanks this year and it's been a lot of fun well speaking of a winter the wide drop system is has certainly been a game changer out there had a lot of feedback about man this has been a piece of equipment i've really valued on my farm you know, you take Illinois this year, guys, where we just didn't get any rain from planting till that July 3rd. A lot of questions about what's going to happen my nitrogen on top, and we have tested it. We do not see a problem, even in the dry. That nitrogen gets in. All of us have seen, you know, what a heavy dew will do, and you know, that bud ring around that stalk. But we had a lot of success of getting nitrogen in the system. Uh, versus even years ago, we used to put it in the center of the row of a colder, you know, and that. So it's worked out really well. Well, certainly a lot to see in the 360 Yield Center area, and Greg Sauter was there putting on a show. Greg, thank you so much. Really uh, look forward to seeing you guys again next year. Thank you. We look forward to it. Talking about the Ag PhD field, they do a little review just in case you missed the show or didn't get to see everything at the show. We're also taking your calls and questions too, and we'll be right back after this. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, 
and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Corn rootworms are called the billion dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Stewart EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. Choose Stewart EC Insecticide from FMC. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot when it comes to protecting your field from disease and environmental stress, there's Revitec fungicide. <laughs> and there's everything else. When it comes to unparalleled power, there's Revitec. <laughs> and everything else. And when it comes to speed and stamina, this is Revitec. And this is everything else. Nothing else comes close to Revitec fungicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Did you know 20% of stored corn is overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for as little as $2,100 per bin with the end zone for corn from FarmShop MFG. Learn more at FarmShopMFG.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today just talking about the Ag PhD field day a little bit and answering your calls and questions. Uh, next we've got Mark calling in from over in Wisconsin. Hey Mark, how are you today? Good, how are you Darren? Well this is Brian, but I, I'm doing just as I'm, well as Darren. I'm, I'm doing good too, Mark. <laughs> Hey, uh, Mark, I, uh, Mark, I hear you got some questions about fungicide and uh, late-season herbicide. Go ahead. Yeah, so we did a pre-emergent herbicide pass before the beans were up, Yep. and it was just so dry that the burn-down worked, but the residual didn't work very well. Okay. And then we came back again and sprayed the weeds that were up. And that kind of worked, but I think we were maybe still in a drought, so perhaps the weeds didn't take in the herbicide just right. Maybe there was a dew. I don't know quite what happened, okay. but you know, the weeds are stunted really bad, but they're not dead. 
Hey, let me ask you, when you sprayed post-emerge, what did you use? I used Enlist and Volunteer, and then, oh, there was something for Nutsedge. For some reason, Endura is popping into my head, but I'm not. Well, Endura would be a fungicide. Uh, so Nutsedge you would probably be like Bassagran or uh, would be my guess. But anyway, okay, so, yeah, okay, and and by weeds that aren't dying, are you talking about water hemp, or is it something else? Uh, all kinds of items. There's water hemp, there's giant rag, and there's velvet leaf. And okay. All three of them are still growing yep. until they were stunted really bad. I mean, we're not in a disaster situation yet, but... How how tall were these weeds when you sprayed? Were they two inches, four inches, six inches, eight inches? How big were they? Foot, maybe. A foot? Foot tall? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they... All right. So it's kind of interesting. This is a conversation I was just having with some of the people in Corteva just a week ago. And I said, guys, if you wouldn't mind, please... Can you label a higher rate of Enlist 1? We've talked about this for years. I, I'm saying I have talked with them about this for years. I've brought this up multiple times, the head people in Corteva. I'm like, I know you've done the research. Can you label a higher rate? Because I'll be honest, uh, the court rate that you've got for Enlist 1, it's fine if the weeds are 2 inches tall, maybe 4 inches. But if you have foot-tall weeds, you absolutely are not going to kill them with that. So... Um, the reason why your post spray didn't work is the weeds are too big and the rate wasn't strong enough. So the way to overcome that, um, I would like to be able to tell you we could go a higher rate of Enlist 1, but that's not labeled. So what a lot of guys are doing instead is they're throwing Liberty together with the Enlist 1 on Enlist soybeans, and that works really, really good. Now, Liberty is going to be or, or, or glufosinate for this next year, half price of what it was this last year, and probably less. So we'll see, but I'm very excited about that because it should be a lot less expensive to get that Enlist One uh, Liberty combination, and boy, it is amazing. So anyway, moving forward, that's what I would suggest, but go ahead. So so we've got some weeds that are still out there, and basically your question now is, is it worth it to spray? No, I've decided I'm going to spray. The question is, I uh, just brought up Liberty, and is that going to be about, I hate spraying herbicide when beans are flowering, but we're in a situation where we have to. Yep, okay. I feel. Yes, okay. So the it, challenge becomes... Be Yep, the challenge becomes if you're past R2. So as soon as you're seeing pods in the field, you're at R3. And I can't, as an agronomist, tell you to do something that's off-label because everything now is off-label other than Cobra. That's about all you got. So R2, full flower, is the last stage where you can spray Roundup or Liberty. R1, so first flower, that's the last stage where you can spray Enlist 1. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're past label uh, on everything other than cobra that that's all i as an agronomist can tell you to do at this point and it's 12 and a half ounces of cobra it's a pound and a quarter of soluble so that's soluble boron that'll help basically 
ease the pain of the cobra so you won't see as much leaf burn when you throw that in there and that's that at this point that's all i can tell you to do okay so that's really going to hurt the yield correct maybe Possibly maybe not we were telling this story <laughs> go yeah. ahead darren well i i love that you said that mark because that is a very common idea out there and you know what it definitely can hurt you if you just don't get any rain afterwards and you put a lot of burn on but more times than not you're gonna catch some rain and it's gonna recover just fine I had a farmer a number of years back he had sprayed cobra on half the field and he was using the high rate and he was he was burning stuff pretty good that day and and he stopped for a little bit and when he went to put a second batch out there he noticed after the first 40 acres and all the leaf burn he said you know what i'm gonna leave the cobra out so the other 40 acres he didn't use the cobra it was five bushels better where he used the cobra now not that the cobra made more yield but the amount of pigweed that got through on the side where he didn't spray it uh, really hurt his yield bad so he was under the impression after that, and I was too, that, wow, even though it didn't look the best, uh, we still out-yielded the other side. So I'd say more times than not, you're going to do well. Yeah, and but we're getting down to the end. Now, the, the thing I will just tell you, like for our own farm going into next year, because we raised some conventional beans, and we ended up with a drought. Normally our beans are shoulder high, head high, and we have tremendous canopy. Well, because of the severe drought we had this year, we didn't get that. So in the future, if I'm raising conventional beans, I'll probably say, you know what, we're going to 15-inch rows, and then we'll get canopy even in a drought year. So that's the other thing for everybody listening. If you've struggled with soybean weed control, just go to narrower rows, and that's absolutely going to help. Now, the other thing, um, fungicide, in terms of fungicide spraying this late, I mean, we're big believers in that if you've got humidity and it looks like you could have potential disease moving in. So like for us, our, our, our weather completely changed here a couple of weeks ago from very dry air to now very wet air. And even today, I mean, it's hot again and we got over 50% humidity out there. So that's when diseases can set in. So this kind of late season disease thing, we have seen a lot more diseases in the last few years in soybeans we've been spraying i mean if again if you've got good yield potential it looks like you might have disease moving in i'd probably spray but yeah it's it's always tough to pull that trigger however if i'm out there spraying something else at the same time it makes it a lot easier so usually we're spraying a little foliar fertilizer some insecticide and then sure we'll throw the fungicide in so anyway uh it's it's not too late and it's certainly not um late enough where you want to just give up on the beans. I mean, unless, of course, you're in absolutely severe drought and the beans are six inches tall or something, that's a different story. Well, um, that actually kind of leads nicely into my next issue. So there's one field of beans where they've actually already been sprayed three times. And they're short, they don't... And I think they maybe have a little disease coming in because they've been stressed be it the drought, be it the herbicide applications, whatever it was, they're stressed. They're only about 16 inches tall now. I would guess there's maybe 30 bushel 
would be my guess. If yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough at this time to guess what yield's going to be. But when they're short, they just let weeds in, and you're right. They don't shade the ground as well. They can't conserve moisture as well. It's, there's just a lot of things against and them. There's and there's a lot less chance for disease. Too. But you know, at this point, when you when you have well, beans that are at about this stage, it's the perfect time for fungicide and the return on investment. That's that's usually when it's the best when you get to R3. So I, I know it's tough. It's a tough year. A guy's going to have to just keep fighting the weeds the best you can and and you know at some point just say well i'm going to protect from disease do the best i can to keep the plant healthy and call her good well i mean the beans that are that i think have, have the lowest yield potential of the disease is coming in yeah i i would do the fungicide mark you don't have to spend a ton of money i for me i would do I something like if if I had thirty bushel yield, I'm not even close to canopy, and I'm this late in the season. Yeah, but you don't I, have to do a huge rate of fungicide or I anything like that. It's really debatable, Mark, and I hope you can see that. I would not do it. Darren would. It, it's it's a tough call. All right, thanks, Mark. Really appreciate it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in, and Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot when we told growers that New Bear Premium Trivolt Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at TrivoltInAction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example 
Talk openly and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and we're doing a little review of the Ag PhD Field Day, which was last week on Thursday. If you didn't get a chance to come to the Field Day, I hope to see you next year. It's Thursday, July 25th next year. Uh, but if you did make it to the Field Day, uh, it's really hard to take in everything and to get as much time as you would like at each of the the plots and and with each of the vendors those types of things so we're doing a little recap today to hopefully get some of those key points for you and uh, give you a little more follow-up so got our friend tony wendler here with farm shop mfg tony i know you were pretty busy how are you doing i I was very busy i'm doing really great today thank you um the uh the show was really a good one one of the things that uh was really nice for us is right across the uh street or driveway, however you want to refer to it, somebody parked a 24-row planter loaded with germinator closing wheels. <laughs> yep, that's so, not a bad deal. No, that worked out to be really nice because people were over there looking at that, and then they looked across the uh, the drive, and there was our tent. So we had a lot of people come over and talk to us about that, and uh, the... Uh, uh, a lot of people talking about uh, bin fan controls also and uh, grain bin uh, monitoring devices. So it was from 7.30 till 2 o'clock. Uh, I had a slight break, ran and got a sandwich and got to eat half of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. That's okay. You're not there to eat and, and uh, just enjoy a casual day, Tony. You're, you're there to take yeah. questions from thousands of people. So, all right. Yeah, bin fan controls were a big one. Germinator closing wheels were big too. You know, this year, I think at the plots, we really did see differences with how we had that planner set up. And I know some of the plots there really highlighted that, that, wow, look here, look, look how this ground was treated a little different than right across the way and what a big difference it made it it is surprising how uh, a good closing wheel can make a difference and uh you know conditions can play into it and really really make one uh, variety shine over another and uh i think you guys really had the conditions out there this year that uh uh made germinators look good well, so. you know, the, the bin fan control thing, too, we didn't have a grain bin set up right by you, but uh, that, that would be pretty handy to actually show what a person could do in, in grain. Here we were. We were the hottest day of the summer, and if you had grain in the bins um, and it's still at 60 degrees and it's about 100 outside, that, that could be trouble. Yeah. Hey, with just showing what a, a, a fan control can do, one of the things is people would come and look. We had one of the big fans in our tent hooked to the control. And uh, when uh, we'd talk about how it works and things like that, and then I would uh, uh, blow into the one sensor so it's picking up the humidity off my breath. And I'd say, and now in seconds, everybody's going to get hot. And it took probably three to five seconds for that sensor to uh, start reading the difference in humidity. And you'd watch the uh, monitor, and the humidity would go up. And all of a sudden, fan first they're wondering, I'd say, and everybody's going to get hot. And they'd be looking at me kind of puzzled. And then the fan goes off. 
gotcha. Perfect day for that demonstration. That's really cool. I didn't get to I didn't get to take part in that. I'm I'm kind of running around a lot on field day, so I think a review show like this is as much for me as for anybody else. Uh, hey Tony, the other comment that I had though from your area, I talked to several people that said, "Hey, I met Tony Wendler that's on your radio show sometimes and he told me I could actually call him. And I think people don't realize how relatable you are, Tony, that they, they can't actually find your number on the website and give you a call when they have questions about things like bin fan controls or closing wheels. They they can. And people ask me about uh, in the fall on setting their uh, controls, if they got any questions or stuff like that. And I said, all you got to deal with is if I'm out working with my equipment, you might have to listen to some noise going in the background. And aside from that, usually I can kind of talk through and uh, drive the combine or whatever I might be doing. But uh, and if and if I can't, I'll text them a quick note that I'm going to call you back in five fifteen minutes. I call them back. So I I do talk to everybody that wants to talk to me. You bet. Well, Tony, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you at the field day, uh, and look forward to seeing you again there next time. And look forward to talking to you again not too far down the road. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. You bet. You as well. Got Kevin Matthews on right now. Farms down in North Carolina. Works with the Extreme Ag Group and shared the stage with me a little bit yesterday. A couple of different, or on Thursday, I should say, a couple of different times. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Yes, sir. Appreciate the opportunity. You know, one of the things that I think was interesting, and it was at the end of the day, so we didn't have as many people at that session as as before, but get to do a session with your daughter also and just talk a little bit about uh, how that transition goes. And, you know, a lot of folks are curious about that or they're at that time in their, their careers too where, hey, that next generation's ready to come up. Are they ready to go? Yeah, absolutely. That was probably one of the yeah, – that'll be something a father always remember. And it's for some reason, it's the issue a lot of farmers don't like to talk about, but it's the reality. It's kind of like having a wheel. You, everybody needs one, and you need to be prepared. Yeah, yeah, that is for sure. And and you know it's coming. We we all get only so many years to make uh, to call all the shots, I should say, and then we need somebody else to to be ready to go and hopefully do a better job than than we did. Of course, you got to do sessions with some of the other folks from Extreme Ag, and a lot of lot of detailed questions about fungicide and fertility and crop management overall. You get a lot of questions on the side too. I noticed farmers are not too shy; they they come right up and and ask you all the tough questions. <laughs> oh Lord, yeah, and we learn. Goodness, we learn from those questions. Yeah, we were trying. I was running late to get to the one tent with you guys, and um, I had one guy. He finally walked around in front of the golf cart, so I could, so we couldn't move to get me to the next tent. They asked me two more questions. I like, sir, you know, man, I, just go to extremeag.farm and send us a question. I will answer it. But I have got to get to the other session. People are waiting. And um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. You feel like it's worth your time when you get to good questions like that. You know, the other thing that I've noticed, uh, Kevin, is you're really checking out everything at the show. You're there for yourself and for your farm as well. Uh, what were the things you were really curious to see, be it equipment or suppliers or those types of things? Yeah, there always, you know, we're always looking at the equipment and the suppliers. But the one thing this year that's standing out by us is we're looking at different herbicide programs. And that's something that stands out about the show that you and Brian do is Glenn and the team does such a great job. We get to see these uh, herbicides, pesticides in action, 
actually being used in a in a live plot demonstration and we know glenn does things top notch and you know we having a lot of trouble this year with uh we, we've got some water hemp that's bothering us we got a lot of uh always had roundup resistant pigweed and and uh palmer and you know mare's tail different different species and um it's there's some new products out there that look kind of promising and uh, my agronomist and myself both we was texting each other i said i can't go go check this out i heard that product works well see what you think and so absolutely that's the beauty of what you guys do is it's a balance between equipment and agronomy and i like that well we try to grow some crops that you might see down in north carolina too sometimes you do better than others with some of those uh additional crops out there so you get a lot of crops that we're taking a look at too uh you know, when you, you look back at, at some of the questions that the growers are giving you, I do hear a lot of guys talking about how do you manage the fertility? How do you manage, you know, whether it's foliar applications or soil applications? And everybody does these things a little different. Everybody's got different equipment. So it's kind of fun watching you navigate through some of those things. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, the hot button thing and obviously the heat, I think, played into it and and the dry weather when you travel through the Midwest, I've seen some of the toughest crops I've ever seen uh, since being since the nine years I've been coming out from y'all's place all the way down to Des Moines, Iowa. And stress mitigation and this managing this heat. What can we do different? You know, and there's a lot of tools in the toolbox to use that we're trying and others are trying to uh, mitigate that because it's just a way of life where we are. And you know, you guys only face it, uh, you know, a few times in a couple of years, thank goodness. But um, I will say, Brian had the heat turned up on us the other day. <laughs> well, he did. We needed a little stress mitigation ourselves, getting under the underneath those tents here and great speakers like the one I'm talking to here, Kevin Matthews from North Carolina. Kevin, thank you so much. Always appreciate you coming up and appreciate learning from you too. Yes, sir. Y'all do a good job. Thank you so much. Bye. You bet. Thanks. Talking about the Ag PhD field day, we're going to dive back into some Ag PhD mailbag questions right after this. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experienced the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids rain at ridgeback.corteva.us. 360 Yield Saver pays back fast. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. For a 12 row corn head, harvesting 2,000 acres of corn, you'd spend $7,200 on the Yield Savers. Those replacement gathering chains cut header loss by 80%. With today's corn prices, the grain you save will pay for the investment of 360 Yield Saver in less than 600 acres. This crop is too valuable to leave bushels in the field due to header loss. Put that extra grain back in your tank with 360 Yield Saver. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. 
and with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot com. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan. I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio here and broadcasting from the Morton Center. We're talking about the Ag PhD Field Day. I had a comment that came in from Seth. He said, thanks, guys. It was my first time at your field day. And all I can say is, wow, your hospitality hospitality was great. Machinery displays awesome. Seminar educational. Food fantastic. My daughter had a great time in the kids' area. Uh, thanks so much. Hope I can come back again next year and many years to come. Hey, thanks, Seth. We really appreciate that. Yeah, we really have a fun time uh, at the Ag PhD Field Day. It is a lot of work getting ready, but uh, we just want to say thanks to everybody. And so I'm so glad you got there to enjoy it and hope to see you again next year. Our producer, Alex, just said, uh, Darren, you mentioned Morton Center. That's where the field day was last week. Oh, sorry. Week. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I guess thank I, thank goodness for that, Brian, because yep. it was air conditioned and we could fit about yep. a thousand people in yep. there. Yep. And it was pretty full. <laughs> it yep. was pretty full. Yeah. I thought it was interesting too that that some of our our speaking sessions in the Morton Center a lot of times in the afternoon people want to get out they want to see more equipment get back out in the plots those kind of things there were quite a few that said you know what I want to see the inside of the Morton Center and enjoy that air conditioning a little longer on on Thursday last week yeah I'm glad we put in that facility a few years ago and about 10 years ago we added a bigger air conditioned and heated shop over on our east farm there too, so right where the field day site is at. So yeah, it's it's nice having the air conditioning. If you can get even a little break from the heat, that's good. I mean, there are a lot of people that are pretty used to the heat though, and even for myself, especially I mean, the, the, towards the end of the summer. Yeah, we've all been out yes. in it all summer long. Yes, I, I just used one of those little um, bear had the uh, little towels cooling, towels, cooling towels. You throw that around your neck, and it's like, oh, hey, that that feels pretty darn good. So I was out in the heat all afternoon and. It was fine, but yeah, it's uh, 115 degree heat index is that's a little much. But you know, most years we don't have anything like that. The average high is depending on which weather station you want to look at, 84 or 86 degrees. That's it. That's the average high for the hottest day of the year, right where we farm. So it's usually not that warm. Most years we're in the 60s and 70s most of the day until late in the afternoon. So I'm assuming we'll get back to that next year. 
I think this was the first field day ever, Darren, where we didn't start the day in the 60s. So yeah, I'm pretty I th- sure. I think you're right about that. Yeah, some days we even start in the 50s. <laughs> so people are like, what? It's summer? Yes, that's that's our summer up here. It is not that warm. All right. I had this question from Muhammad, and I'm not sure if this relates to field day or is just a general question, but he was curious, what software are we using uh, for field mapping, uh, sampling, those types of things? Uh, what do we use for, for software to manage? Well, we've used a number of things over the years. We're, we're going to this new program called Verify, V-R-A-F-Y, if you want to look that up, V-R-A-F-Y. V-R-A-F-Y.com. Yep, Verify. yep, Verify. Um, so basically, we've had soil test software we've been using in the past that could integrate some things, but this can integrate our yield maps, satellite imagery, uh, it's really nice, and we can we can generate prescription maps right off of that because we do a lot of things prescription based. So, and what I mean by that specifically is this: if we have areas in the field that let's say are at 30 parts per million of phosphorus, and I want to get them to 100, and that's on a Malik test, by the way, that's similar to a strong Bray test, not a weak Bray or not an Olson, but anyway. So my point here is, let's say I was at 30 in some areas. We've got areas that are 120 or 150 right now. Well, I I mean, if I'm at 150, the odds are extremely low that my phosphorus is a yield-limiting factor. So why would I put more money to something that's not a yield-limiting factor? That doesn't make sense. So the whole point is what we're trying to do is better invest our fertilizer dollars so we can get a good return. And so the more soil testing you do, the smaller your grids or zones, and the better you can use variable rate fertility type maps like this that we can generate like almost instantaneously out of this Verify program. Oh my gosh, that makes money. So, I I mean, our profitability has never been better than the last few years when we can spend money where it will give us a good return instead of wasting money where it doesn't give a return or worse yet. Let's put it this way. I see most people putting on a set rate of phosphorus, and I will promise you in some areas of the field where you're putting the phosphorus on, it makes your yield go down. Here's why. We've found that there is a big link, and a lot of people have talked about the link between phosphorus and zinc, but not many have talked about the link between phosphorus and copper. And we absolutely see that. I can show you the data to prove it to you, that if your phosphorus to copper ratio is out of whack. In other words, you got too much phosphorus in relation to copper, and you put on more phosphorus, your odds are yield's going down, not up. So why are you spending money on something that's going to make your yield worse? That doesn't make sense. So it's super fun now that we have more of this information and the technology to do this. And so we spread fertilizer ourselves on our farms. Not that difficult. It's not difficult to get a variable rate map or anything like that. It's all super easy technology now. Um, Anyway, I just, I, I, I can't speak highly enough of it because it's just made us so much money. And every farmer who does variable rate, I applaud you. Just make sure you're looking at all the things you need to, not just N, P, and K. you got to look at some of the links between the other nutrients. All right, got this question from JP. He's down in Brazil. He said, we are double cropping corn and soybeans. And we've got dry land production here. We get 48 inches of rainfall each year. 35 inches falls on the soybeans from October to February. And then 13 inches falls on the corn from February to May. I've got ammonium sulfate, 
My plan is to use 270 pounds per acre. I'm wondering when would be the best time to apply it? All at once, some on the corn, some on the beans. How would you do it? So you're saying he's only going to put that on once per year, not once per crop. It says, I am going to use <laughs> ammonium sulfate, 270 yeah. pounds. So how much fertility okay. is in 270 pounds of ammonium sulfate? Not, not much. So, yeah, I mean, you've got some. I mean, you're talking roughly 50 pounds of nitrogen. It's no big deal. Uh, 50 pounds of nitrogen, 50 pounds of sulfur, and depending on your, your mix there, it could be a little more than that. But the point is... Um, if it's me, I'm not spending much of that on the soybeans, most likely. I'm probably going to put it toward corn, but I don't know any of the rest of your program. So that's really difficult for me to say. Let's put it this way, though. That ammonium sulfate is going to break down slowly. We're talking one to two month release on that little bit of nitrogen that's in there. And and, and again, I, I keep referring to this as a little bit because... When we're talking yield, we're usually talking 70 bushel beans and 250 bushel corn. So if we're talking 25 bushel beans and 100 bushel corn, then, you know, 270 pounds of AMS is, you know, that that's a fair amount. But anyway, my point here is it's a more of a controlled release nitrogen as opposed to, oh, it's urea. And as soon as it rains and the, the, the fertilizer breaks down, it's pretty much instantly available. So... I, I do like ammonium sulfate in that respect. Now, I yeah, it, it, this is impossible to answer this question because I don't see soil tests. I don't know what the rest of the plan is or anything else. So let's put it this way. Is it possible that the corn could need all that 270 pounds of ammonium sulfate? It's yes, absolutely. It's, a, it's very little nitrogen. The corn's going to need more nitrogen than that, but it's probably not going to need as much sulfur as what you're going to have in there. Okay, so it's possible. But assuming that it's not, your yield goal isn't high enough, you might want to do, let's call it 80% of the ammonium sulfate on the corn and the rest on the soybeans to get your sulfur needs taken care of there. So like on our farm, I will tell you in front of corn, we're always doing 100, 200 pounds of ammonium sulfate. And with soybeans, I mean, to get some out there is probably good, but it just depends on what the rest of my program is. So anyway, if you want to give us some more information, we can better answer your question. All right, last one comes from Marshall. Marshall says, I just don't understand. Why would you use corn as silage if the corn itself could be used for a lot of different things? Well, because somebody needs silage and they're willing to pay for it. So uh, a lot of farmers, a lot of livestock producers want silage and it's really good that way. And then you produce meat ultimately. And because yeah, the animals need to eat a lot more whatever. than yeah. just corn. Right. They, they need all that. They need the whole plant. They need that roughage as well. So, yeah, it just depends on what the ration is for that particular animal. And believe me, if you haven't seen what the rations are in livestock production in the United States, uh, it would blow you away. You'd say, wow, those animals are eating better than I am. They're really focused on every nutrient and, and exactly how many calories they're going to get each day, those types of things. And hey, thanks for the question, Marshall. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.